Alright. Let's get going. If you have your Bibles, you can open them to Luke chapter 10. That'll be the verse we read together tonight. So I'm going to start with prayer. Lord, we thank you that we get to be in your house. We thank you that we get to worship you. We thank you, God, that that you're bigger than us, that you're bigger than our feelings, that you're bigger than our circumstances, that you are big, God, and yet you're intimately involved in all the details of our life. So I ask, God, that even a word um, that you'll speak to us a hundred different ways, God, and that you'll uh, empower us tonight and encounter us with your healing love, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, well, we uh, are on week four now of this uh, pneumaticus series, which is talking about uh, really the spiritual culture that we're creating, and particularly uh, out of this text in 1 Corinthians 12 through 14, uh, where Paul is uh, speaking to the Corinthian church and kind of outlining, identifying uh, the dynamics of a spiritual culture. Uh, and particularly this idea of a, a supernatural culture, which we have, it's a buzzword, it sounds kind of weird and crazy, but it's just the reality that we are Christians, which we believe God lives inside of us, so it would be incongruent to believe that God lives inside of us, and not to expect some sort of a su- supernatural reality, right? Like, that's a supernatural statement, so this isn't about hype, this isn't about uh, emotionalism, this is about uh, creating a culture that is authentically built around God, uh, that he is in our midst. And uh, we've spent the last three weeks uh, talking about the prophetic, 1 Corinthians 14.1 says, earnestly desire spiritual gifts, but especially that you'd prophesy. So we spent a few weeks on this, uh, on in discernment, which is closely tied and woven into it. Um, and now tonight I'm going to move to a new topic, uh, which is divine healing. Uh, this is something that is uh, honestly a difficult topic for me to teach on because I feel very much like a beginner. Uh, not that I have not experienced this, but it's very humbling because the longer I have pursued this, the less that I know. And so I'm going to do my best to simply uh, share what I have learned, and I'm not going to try to answer questions that I don't have the answer to tonight. I'm going to present uh, some, some things that I believe to be truth on this journey of understanding the healing nature of God. Uh, 1 Corinthians 12 talks about that the gifts, there's a variety of gifts, a variety of ways, and uh, then he talks about one of the gifts is the gifts of healings, uh, and it's kind of plural, so uh, I don't think that healing is kind of pigeonholed into any type one thing. I think healing encompasses both uh, the spiritual, the emotional, the soul, uh, the body. It's holistic, right? He came to see us whole and to look like Jesus, and Jesus came in his mission statement. He tells us, I came to bind up the broken heart, set captives free, and he had a ministry that was full of the healing presence of Jesus. And so uh, I'm going to talk tonight about uh, external healing, um, like physical healing, and then next week going to go more into the dynamic of uh, inner healing, uh, the the healing of the emotions and the soul, and uh, God cares about us all. And so... Uh, why, why I'm going to talk about uh, this next in this uh, topic of pneumaticus is because uh, healing's very important and it's very central to the gospel of the kingdom. Jesus went about preaching the gospel of the kingdom. Uh, I don't think that talking about divine healing is necessarily essential to the salvation 
of humanity. It's not part of the salvation message of the cross. It flows from the atonement. Uh, but it is essential if we're talking about the gospel of the kingdom. And I'm just going to put a fact out here, which is kind of undeniable for me. Forty uh, percent of the gospels consist of healing miracles, uh, healing and deliverance. Uh, so 40% of the four books that we hold as the most significant and important, they're the red letter books, consist of healing miracles. So there has to be some sort of significance wrapped around this. Amen? All right. I'm glad half of you agree. I'll work on the rest of you the rest of the time, I guess. Uh, a few verses uh, that uh, on top of this, just this 40 percent, is we are directly instructed through Scripture to pray for the sick. Right. So Matthew 10 and Luke 9 uh, are both Jesus addressing uh, the 12. And I'll read. Uh, you're at Luke 10, so you can go back to Luke 9 if you'd like. Uh, and this is Luke 9, 1. He called the 12 together and gave them power and authority over all the demons and to heal diseases. And he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and perform healing. Right? This is uh, very similar to uh, Matthew 10, 1. Uh, and then, uh, so that's to the 12. If you turn over uh, the page to Luke chapter 10, uh, this is now Jesus talking to the 70. So this was not just an exclusive command is the point I'm trying to make. This is Luke 10 verse 8. It says, whatever city you enter and they receive you, eat what is set before you and heal those in it who are sick and say to them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. Right. And then uh, lastly, in the Great Commission in Mark chapter 16, uh, one of the commands that Jesus gives is to lay hands on the sick and they will recover. Right. And if that's not sufficient, John five, uh, James 514 says, if anyone is sick among you, have the elders of the church, anoint them with oil, lay hands on the sick and they will recover. Right. So I'm just trying to make this claim here and support it scripturally that it's a very clear imperative in scripture that we're instructed to pray for the sick. All right. There's a role that we all have to pray for the sick. This is part of being Christians like Christ. Uh, Forty percent of his gospels consist of this. And now he's told us to do the same. Oh, this is another reason why I'm going to talk about this topic. And uh, the last one that I'd say is another scriptural imperative that just identifies this is in the Lord's Prayer itself. When he says, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Right? And there's a reality that we are living in this tension of the now and the not yet. And God's put us in this, uh, this epic of time where we get to be instruments of the inbreaking of the kingdom. And I don't think it's rocket science to identify that there's not, heal, there's not you know, disease and all these things, these ailments and cancer. They're not in heaven, right? They are not in the kingdom of God. And so part of the fulfillment of the Lord's prayer uh, is to pray for healing. That was what he did. He went and preached the gospel of the kingdom, and then he demonstrated the kingdom uh, through his healing presence, through his power. All right? So... That's kind of why I'm talking about it. I think it's important, and I think it's, uh, it's part of us being obedient to the words of Jesus, right? Um, I get this question a lot as it pertains to divine healing. I've, I don't even know how many times I've had this asked in the last probably five, six years, is why don't we see healing in America to the same degree 
that we see in Africa, Asia, South America? Has anybody ever asked that question? I've, I've asked this question. Anybody thought about that question? Right? People, will, you'll oftentimes, people will go on missions trips. There's a lot of this. You'll hear testimonies of what happens in missions trips, and you're like, man, I've never seen that before here in my life, right? This is a very common uh, uh, thing for Americans to say. This is my own experience. Is, well, why is that happening in Africa, and it's not happening here? I've never seen this, right? Um, I uh, grew up in a denomination that uh, actually affirms doctrinally divine healing. It's in the manual. Uh, I was raised in the Holiness Church, Nazarene. Uh, and they believe in divine healing. So, like, scripturally, doctrinally, in the church, the, the denomination I was raised in, it says, like, we believe in it. Um, but still, I had never seen it my whole life growing up until I got to college, uh, and I didn't see it. But somebody told me God still heals, and I was like... <laughs> bogus that's not true right like I've never seen this and I started digging I was like holy cow so um it's all throughout the bible right and uh, I just had never read it in my bible even though 40 percent of the gospels consist of it so why don't we see healing to the same measure here that we do there I actually have a really simple answer to this question and, and it's uh I believe it's true and it's this because we don't pray for it Right? And I don't mean that we don't ever pray for it, but we do not pray for it to the same propensity that it is prayed for and sought after in the global south. Right? I remember I was probably 20 years old, maybe 19, and I came aware of the reality that God heals. I was actually offended by that when it first was presented to me. So I was offended, seen it, and I was a good Christian kid, and I'd never seen it. And so I was offended, but then I kind of opened up, okay, well, if you're doing this, this is authentic, then I want to see it myself. Like, that sounds, it just captivated my heart. And the Lord spoke to me one day, and this was like really the revelation that kind of has spurned me ever since. He said, okay, Jordan, you want to see healing? And I was like, yes, I do. What do I need to do? And he said, pray for people to get healed. <laughs> I'm serious. That was it. And it was like, Aha. Uh -huh. And what it, that shattered in my mind was I was living in this reality, acting as if I needed Gabriel to come down with a trumpet, blow it, and say, dun, 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 pray for this person. That's what I was like intuitively waiting for. And I realized in that moment, God's like, I've told you, just pray for people. And so I began praying for people. All right. Uh, but the reason uh, we don't pray, I'm convinced there's two main reasons that are pretty much interconnected of why we do not pray for the sick and the same propensity here as we do in the global south is because of two things. Uh, the first one is disappointment, and then that disappointment leads to offense. And we actually are offended by the idea that God could heal. And that offense and disappointment usually boils down to this one scenario. And I'm in faith for someone, often someone I loved, and they didn't get healed. And I'm sure many people in this room can relate to that, including myself. And uh, what happens uh, is we get disappointed, and we, in this place of disappointment, we don't, we oftentimes have poor theology of how we are processing disappointment, and then that locks us down into a behavior that actually we start behaving in a way that is disobedient to what Scripture clearly commands us to do. Right? It's not a suggestion. It's what Jesus tells us to do. They're red-letter words just like the rest of the red-letter words. And we're not told to obey parts of Scripture. We're not told to take parts of, you know, piece it out. We're, it's very clear in Scripture that this is what we're instructed to do. 
And so I believe that we must be capable of processing disappointment in such a way that we don't lose hope and that we don't get offended with God in the midst of true and authentic disappointment, true and authentic suffering, and true and authentic pain, right? I I watched a divorce happen that I knew was not the will of God that many, many people had prayed and fasted and wept for. Like, I know disappointment. It's not fun. But we still have to be able to process disappointment in such a way that I will not lose hope in the promise of God. And I will continue to persevere and pray and obey what he's asking me to do. Right? Uh, another is why does question that I hear is, you know, why doesn't, and I've asked many times, is why doesn't healing always happen? And uh, this is a question I've put a lot of thought and a lot of study into, and I have a really good answer for you. I have no idea. I have no idea. Um, I do not understand the answer to that question. I, I, I don't know the why. I don't know that I ever will in this life. I don't know that anyone really will. All I know is that we are living in a mystery of the kingdom's come, but it's not yet here, and we are in this tension of seeing that take place. And so uh, I'm not going to pretend to try to give you answers I don't have, like I said at the beginning. Um, But I am uh, going to present to you rather um, some core values that have helped me uh, do what I just talked about, process disappointment in such a way that it empowered me still in the midst of the process to keep persevering, to keep being obedient, right? Uh, It's uh, not always easy um, to do this, uh, on, I'll be honest, it's just pursuing healing has probably been the most humbling pursuit of my whole life, uh, but these, uh, these I'm going to share five principles, have uh, led uh, to a lot of fruitfulness and, uh, and to actually seeing a lot of healing uh, manifest in front of my eyes. So uh, five core values that uh, I think if we get these, uh, we will see... Um, We'll be empowered to walk in a healthy spirituality. We'll be empowered to do it in a way that we communicate love, that we do it the right way, and that also that we will see God's healing flow through our lives. If we shut down and get offended, God, we, I mean, it's pretty obvious to say God's not going to heal through us because we're not going to pray for healing, right? Or we're going to pray with half heart, or we're going to pray in a way that with skepticism uh, instead of hope. So my desire is to uh, empower us for that tonight. So first thing here is uh, the Lord's name. One of his names is Jehovah Rapha, the Lord, our healer. So he very clearly identifies that his nature is to heal. You don't have to, like, we're not conniving this. I'm not contriving this. It's not our idea for the healing of God to come onto the earth and to touch broken bodies and to touch the disease and to open blind eyes and open deaf ears and broken, heal broken limbs and make cripples walk. That's not our idea. That is not some type of man-made invention. He is the Lord, our healer. He says, I'm the t- same yesterday, today, and forever. And he's told us who he is. I am the Lord, your healer. Right, so the first for me is it's just a recognition that this is God's initiation. It is not my initiation. And so uh, we're not trying to make something happen. We're simply yielding to what he is wanting to happen. Right, we're joining him at his work. Jesus says, my father is working up until now, and I'm partnering with him. I'm working with him. And so we're joining God at his work. We're not trying to get him to come join ours. He's the healer. Right, the second is that God is good. He will not command us to do something that will lead to anything but goodness. 
right? John Wimber, anybody know John Wimber, who he is? Right? He started the vineyard movement. He had a very, very strong healing anointing on his life that birthed the movement that has literally transformed this nation and many nations beyond this nation. He was, uh, he was a man in Southern California. He grew up Mennonite, so not in a place where there was any um, operating of the, the charismata, particularly the gift of healing. And he, through study of scripture, became absolutely convinced that it, that it is that it is God's desire to heal. And so in his book, he has a book called Power Healing, and he identifies his journey where he began to obey the Lord and pray for healing. He said uh, nothing happened for like a year. He prayed for like hundreds and hundreds of people. The Lord said every single week, I want you to begin praying. After service, just out, ask people if they need healing, pray for them. He said he was literally squirming, and it got to the point where he would weep. He would be on the stage before people back behind, and he would be on his face weeping and saying, God, why would you tell me to do something that you're not going to do? Why would you have me pray for people when the healing's not coming? I've prayed for hundreds of people. He would weep. He was like angry, but he was like bound by obedience to the scripture. So he kept doing it. And his first breakthrough, he came, he got like a call on like a Monday or Tuesday afternoon. Someone had a fever. He walked in and he said, I just put my hand and just said, Lord, just touch this woman. And like 10 seconds later, she was like, I'm better and sprung up. And he said he got in the car and was like, I got one. Right? It was like over a year, not one thing happened, right? But look at the goodness that was birthed through the perseverance of this man. Look at the anointing that God released because he, can, he, he trusted God is good. So if he commands me, if he instructs me to do something, he will bring good from it, right? A lot of times we say, well, what if they don't get healed? I feel awkward. Again, I don't have answer for you, but I just know he tells us, pray for the sick and just trust that the result's up to him. Uh, the third is the primacy of love. Uh, praying for healing is not a faith transaction. It's a love encounter. Right, Heidi, ba- Heidi Baker, uh, she says that in the, healing, uh, in the healing, the process of praying for someone, our job's to love. His job's to heal. So we're not the healers. We're the lovers. We get to be the vessels that we are going to love someone and love them really, really well. That's our job, right? Like, that is what he's calling us to do. And oftentimes we think, well, if they don't get healed, then I'm not loving them. That's, like, not true. People feel so valued if you love them and then pray for their healing. I had a, I was at Nordstrom Rack, like, a month ago, maybe, and uh, this sweet woman was checking me out. She had a brace on, and my heart, I just felt love for this woman. She's, I saw her type in. I knew she had to type people's emails all day, yada, 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 and she looked like she had, like, carpal tunnel or something something and I just asked how's your wrist and you know she was super sweet and I said hey I'm a Christian and I believe God's a healer can I pray for your wrist and she was like shocked she's like yeah she's it's just <laughs> handing me her wrist you know I'm just like in line you know Lord I just thank you bless your daughter da 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 right and I leave and then I got a uh, like two weeks later it's why I was in India I don't know if Caitlin Dirksen's here but she messaged me and she was like Jordan crazy thing I was in line at Nordstrom's Rack and this sweet lady was helping me check out and she had this wrist brace and I asked her if I could pray for her and she's like oh my gosh you're the second person in like two weeks she's like what church do you go to and she's like Riverhouse your pastor prayed for me <laughs> and she's so excited because she felt loved Right? It's not like sometimes we think, oh, it's all about do the person get healed or does the person not get healed? And like that's so black and white. That's so binary. When God's like, did you love? Like, did you love them? 
Like, did you come to serve them? Did you come to, like, just, did they leave more, you know? Like, it's about love. Love's more powerful than the healing, I'm convinced. Greatest miracle is the healing of the heart, is when a heart receives love. It's not when a wrist gets healed, although that's good, too, and God loves to do both. Uh, Fourth thing is that uh, one healing is worth it. You could pray for 100,000 people over the next uh, 50 years of your life, and if you saw one person that got their, say, their deaf ears open, it's worth it. I remember I was, uh, I was, uh, the first time we were in India, or no, you know what, I'm going to share this story. I was in Ecuador probably, man, I don't even know, three years ago, and we were walking through, we had kind of this thing going on at a park, like an evangelistic thing, we were partnering with the church, and uh, I was walking through just kind of like the apartment complexes with a guy, one of my friends, he, and he spoke Spanish, so he's the interpreter. And we rolled up on this house. It was like five bros in their like wife beaters drinking beer, right? And like some younger, some older. It looked like dad, uncle, nephew, chains, like they were cool dudes, right? And we like roll up and like, hey, we're doing this thing at the park, yada, 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 yada. And... Um, I just felt prompted in my heart. I was like, hey, will you ask them if any of them need healing? And this one guy's like, I think his sciatic nerve was really bad, and he was in a lot of pain. So I just said, yeah, I'd like to pray for you. So I start praying for this guy, and he starts telling that he's feeling fire, and he starts getting healed by the Lord. And he just healed, and then he, like, starts getting emotional in front of the bros. And, like, the funny thing is that the bros were not into it all. They just kind of, like— acted like we weren't right there, and just kept, like, sipping and doing their thing. And I don't understand Spanish, but I was like, man, I wish I knew what they were saying right now, right? So we're, like, ministering to bro over here. It's like uncle, and then the rest are, like, literally two feet away. And he starts crying, so he just gets up and walks inside because he didn't want his bros to see him, right? So we walk in the door, and my heart just starts beating, and I'm like, hey, uh, will you, will you translate, like, and I just start preaching, like, the salvation, the gospel to him, and this dude, he starts, like, weeping, like, just crying down his face, and, uh, and, and I lay hands on him, and I, he didn't even understand, because I was praying in English, I was just so compelled, I'm just praying for this man, and as I'm praying, the Holy Spirit just manifests on him, and he's just weeping, just weeping under the love of God, and and I begin, you know, he gives his heart to the Lord and has the salvation moment. And literally, I'd never felt a stronger, like this yearning in my life. Like one day, I cannot wait to see you in heaven so that I can talk to you. Like, because I can't speak Spanish, you know, but I was like, I was consumed with love for this man. And it was like the most beautiful. And my buddy, he was a missionary down there for like a number of years. And we walked down, he was like, that was awesome, you know, and it was worth it. If that's all I ever saw, it was worth it. Like, it's eternal. In India, I remember I I had to get on a train and go 17 hours on the middle class, on like an economy class train in India, which is like literally 20 people where there should be four, and every stop smells like feces because the holes on the train just go straight down to the track, right? Stop after stop after stop for 17 hours, but I took the train, um, and I was like, oh, man, I could have waited and taken a nicer thing, but I wanted to get to where I was going so I could preach in time the next morning, whatever. started complaining and getting cynical. Why am I sitting on this plane? I'm hot. I'm sweaty. I can't eat the, like, whatever. And we get to the church, and that day at church, they bring a little girl that was like seven years old who had hearing issues, and her ear popped open, and her parents start freaking out and crying. And I was just like, man, 
and I'm whining about sitting on a train for 17 hours. You know, like, when I started thinking, I was like, what are the differences in that girl's life going to be because of one I stepped out and prayed for? You know, like, what, what, like, how do you quantify what the shift that took place in this precious little girl? You can't. You can't put that to words. You can't quantify that. One, it's one. It's worth it for one. So sometimes we focus on, you know, what's not happening. And again, I don't understand what's not happening. But I know that what is, it's worth it. For one miracle, it's worth it. Um, Fifth is that, this is probably the most important one, and that is that perseverance is essential. Uh, Luke 11, you should be there. Uh, Jesus is teaching the disciples about prayer, and in uh, verse 9 of Luke 11, he says, So I say to you, ask it will be given to you, seek and you will find, knock and it will be opened to you. If you were to do a word study on this passage, you would see that it would more literally translate this, ask and keep asking, knock and keep knocking, seek and keep seeking, and you will find. Right, so it's this, uh, it's this idea that you ask and you keep asking. So Jesus is instructing them on perseverance. He's saying that you must persevere. And this is just the reality is that perseverance through disappointment changes us. Anybody that has continued to hope in the same promise when they've had to walk through the opposite will testify that you're not the same human being on the other side of that crucible. You're emptied of self. You're you're emptied of this. We're so prone as humans to this desire to possess and control. And when you keep, so when you first get a promise, oftentimes it's like, oh, I got this promise. But as you keep it and it strips and it's the opposite happens and you have to see, I don't understand and I'm disappointed and I want to get offended, but you keep praising, you keep persevering. I'm going to keep obeying. I don't care what happens. I believe your word. I believe your word is what creates the world. So I'm not going to let the world determine what I think of your word, right? So I'm going to keep going. I'm going to keep going. You get emptied of self, right? And the reality is that God's power, God's healing flows through empty vessels, not full ones. That really don't know. Not ones that know it all. He flows through people that are weak and childlike that really don't know. And I can promise you this healing. I've seen more healing with my own two eyes than that. I can't repent of my belief in divine healing if I wanted to. And I'm being honest with you. There's sometimes I do. There's sometimes I wish I could repent because it has been the hardest journey. It's been the most humbling journey. The more I see, the more I don't know. The more healing I see, the more my heart aches when I don't see. It's broken me. It's stripped me. It's stripped me of this wanting to know and wanting to understand. It literally is the most humbling thing I've ever gone after in my life. When I first heard about it, it was like, this is cool. This sounds powerful. I want to see people get healed. Then I started seeing him healed, and it was like, what's happening to me? Why is this so painful? Why is this so uncomfortable? Why is, this, why is there an ache in my heart? Why the more that I see, the more my heart aches? And this is the reality for me, is that when I see someone get healed, and I've seen it many times, I've seen it hundreds of times, literally, I, I behold the face of Jesus, and I come away with a homesickness that I can't describe to you. 
I realized after I began seeing this that it was like what the disciples must have gone through where they lived their life for three years, watched Jesus heal, watched Jesus heal, watched him. 40% of the gospel, right? And then the end of Luke, I believe it says if we were to record all the miracles that Jesus did, all the books in the world wouldn't contain it. So we're getting the highlight reel in here. He was doing this all the time. That's what they were used to. And then he leaves. They missed him. They missed him bad. But I, I bet, I just bet that each time, you know, Peter would see a healing come. It's like, there you are. I see you, Lord. You're here. And there's something that just happens. I don't know how to describe it, but it's messed me up. It's messed me up. I, uh, I talked about it last week, but it made me a prisoner of hope. Seeing the Lord's healings made me a prisoner of hope. And now I, I can't get the hope out of my heart that I know you're the healer. But there's also pain. There's a cost with it because it's humbling. You don't know. You don't know. And I don't think we ever get to know. But when we obey, when we persevere, it changes us. And when we get emptied, when we get transformed, he can use us in a greater measure, in a greater measure, in a greater measure, because it's not about us. So those are uh, five core values. He is the Lord, our healer. He is good. Primacy of love. One healing is worth it. And perseverance is essential. We can't give up. We just got to keep obeying. Even doesn't doesn't make sense. Um, I'm going to close real practical, uh, and I just want to talk about how to pray for the sick, uh, because this is important. And uh, the biggest thing that I can say is uh, union to Jesus, or listen to Jesus, living in union with him, listen to Jesus and do what he tells you. <laughs> There's really no formula. I've tried them all and had really bad experiences with it. Um, I'm just going to, I'm going to share a few stories that kind of highlight some of my failures uh, that will share my journey of how God is developing uh, this gift in my life. So please don't like say this is your journey, this is your story, but glean the principles from it. Uh, something that he put in my heart that I desired greatly and that I have seen uh, in time to time is just the, how the gift of, of a word of knowledge and a gift of healing go hand in hand and Oftentimes, they kind of run together, and so I'd seen this demonstrated a lot, and I had experiences of this for probably the last uh, six or so years, and for those of you that don't know, a word of knowledge is basically you'll just like, something will pop in your head, a specific bit of information that kind of like releases faith into somebody that God's really speaking, that you really are coming from God, and then oftentimes when the faith's there, there's just healing can happen, like a a great, I was in Ecuador, a good example of this, and I was in literally a marketplace uh, waiting. I think we had all gone out, and we were waiting to recongregate. And I saw this guy in the crowd, but there's tons of people in this marketplace. I saw this guy had curly black hair, and I immediately knew that the dude had shoulder pain. I don't know how I knew that. It just popped in my mind. And then I was praying for somebody else, and I saw him out of the corner of my eye, and then he disappeared. I couldn't find him. Then like five minutes later, he shows back up. I get my buddy translator. I said, dude, ask that guy if he's got shoulder pain. And he asked him, and he looked at me with this look like, how'd you know that? 
And I was like, just tell him Jesus. So he says Jesus, and he just lets me pray, and he ended up getting healed. He was, like, moving it around, right? Because, like, holy cow, God's speaking, right? It boosted my faith, boosted his faith, and there's something about, you know, faith. Faith moves mountains. So anyways, uh, I've desired to see this in, in an increasing way in my life, increasing here, increasing in India, increasing anywhere I go. Um, I want to see this. And so the last time I was in India— just a couple weeks ago, I said, Lord, all right, I'm going to be ministering probably like 20 different services in the next eight days. I was like, this is what I want. I want to step out and risk. I want to practice this. I want to see this even grow to greater propensity in my life, all right? And so I'm just going to take you through a course of 24 hours, um, one of the 24 hours that highlight um, some of the bigger failures that I made and just help you see how human and real life this really is. Because oftentimes, I've, I've said this before, we perceive the power of God through this kind of triumphalistic view where it's like, wow, that's superhuman. Like, that seems so out of reach, right? When in reality, it's very broken, weak. You're like, who was that God? It's like, oh, it's God. See, it happened, right? So I'm just going to try to demystify this and make this really practical. Okay, so Saturday night, uh, I'm preaching at this church, and... Uh, there is so much expectation there. They want healing really bad, right? So, like, sometimes when people are wanting things, this oftentimes when people are really hurting, you're like, your own empathy is drawn. Like, I want to pray for their healing, right? And so I'm preaching this sermon. I feel God moving, but it was just like, oh, but I need to pray for healing. I need to pray for healing. So I end up, like, calling out a few words of knowledge, and, uh, man, it was crickets in there. It's crickets, and like then a few people kind of stood up. I like pray for healing. Anybody testify? Nobody raises their hand, right? And I'm just like, th at this point, like hot sweat is dripping down my back. I mean, and I'm like, okay, I risked, I failed. That's okay. I'm gonna risk again. And I like said something else, da -da 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 -da. and it was just like, this isn't God. I know it. Like my face is starting to get really hot. Feels like I'm like sweating. Just literally, my my shirt stuck. And I literally took like five risk, risk after risk after risk after risk. And I, I literally was like, all right, I'm done. I literally looked at John and said, hey, John, come up here and pray for him now. And I just sat down. I was like, I'm out. I'm out. <laughs> Nothing happening here. And I knew I missed God. And, uh, and this is the thing uh, I want to stress is that I, didn't, I wasn't beating myself up. Like I was like, oh, man, that was, everyone's like, that was so powerful. And I'm like, no, it wasn't. Don't lie to me. I don't lie to me. That wasn't powerful, right? And I'm sure God moved because he's gracious and he sees my heart. But I got into bed that night, and I was just like, okay, Lord. I was like, what the heck was that? And he was like, well, he said, you said you wanted to grow. He's like, you said you wanted to risk. This is awesome. <laughs> he just started encouraging. He's like, don't expect perfection. Perfection doesn't come. He's like, remember how many times John Wimber failed, right? Like, just this sentence was like, he's just encouraging me. Like, this is awesome. Way to go. I, w I went to bed blessed. I went to bed excited. I knew he was pleased with me. I didn't do it right, but I missed it, right? So I woke up the next morning. I spent time with the Lord, and I was just like, hey, Lord, like, I just want to be, I recognize, okay, their desire for healing actually influenced me to want to do that instead of listening to you, you know? So I was like, okay, I'm just going to, like, listen to you, and I'm just going to follow the cloud of your presence, whatever. I'm going to step out. So I woke up, and it was actually a big church that Sunday I was ministering at, Sunday morning. And I'm preaching, and I just feel the Holy Spirit as I'm ministering, and I'm just following the Lord, and I was preaching on following the presence and listening to the voice of God. And then, uh, and this, this is what I did. Like, I didn't back down, so I said, okay, 
I talked about this whole message. When you listen to God, when you follow God, then his power can flow through your life. I said, now I'm going to demonstrate it. And I was like, oh, God. <laughs> right? I probably look composed on the outside. On the inside, I'm like freaking out, right? And uh, there's a young man in the church. And he said, he said, I want you to call him out. I want you to prophesy over him. I was like, okay. I said, yeah, you call up. I'm going to go you first. Pray over him. Didn't find this out till later, but he had gone through a rough season, and everything I'd spoken over him, his pastor who was translating it, had literally said all those things to him that week, and he's in tears, on the verge of tears, as he's translating what I'm saying over this young man, right? I didn't know this till afterwards, but then all of a sudden from there, the Lord was like, pray for this, and then I called out a word of knowledge, then the Lord, then boom, then it was boom, 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 and the next thing I know, we pray, and I say, okay, who's got testimonies? Woman comes up on stage, like people start just coming up on stage. One woman came up and said, I was on the verge of tears. I almost went to the hospital instead of church this morning, but I am pain-free. Starts testifying, right? Like the faith in the room is through the roof. People are like opening their eyes. The Holy Spirit's moving through them. I'm having them lay hands on one another. It's this empowerment. I was like, holy cow. I was like, that was awesome. What was the difference between last night and this day? I don't really know, but I listened, right? So I'm following the cloud. So following the cloud, preaching another church. It was really powerful. Then I go to another church that night, get up, and I'm just like preaching, right? And this is, this is, and I'm following the cloud, following the cloud. But it was like a really different environment. I'd never been in it quite before. A lot of Hindus, a lot of real religious zeal, but no desire for Jesus. I'm like not knowing what's going on. The Lord veers me off my sermon, takes me to a verse that, I, that in hindsight, I knew was the verse he wanted me to go on and continue preaching. But I was like not comfortable about that. And I was like, oh, I'm going to go here and then pray for healing. Right. Did it again. Going off the work this morning. Right. Even though like I knew you can't go off principle. Work this morning. So I start doing it. Do the same thing. Praying. Same thing. Like as I just done six hours before. Hot sweat starts dripping down my back. It's like crickets in the room. I'm like, people start getting, oh, it was crazy. It was this crazy, weird service. I was so exhausted and drained. I was like, oh, my gosh. Like, this is hard. Right? But the Lord, again, good job. Good job. Right? I failed twice. But God was still with me, and God's still with me. And he did amazing things all throughout that whole trip. Right? We ended up leading someone to the Lord right after that service, which blew my mind because I was like, I'm exhausted. But the point I'm trying to make uh, is when we're praying, we just listen. We just have to listen and step out, and we can't be afraid of failure. Failure. If we have this perfectionist mindset, we will never see healing because we won't pray for healing. If I'm so afraid of failing that I don't do it, you won't do it. And then you won't see healing. And people say, why don't we see healing in America like we see in Africa, Asia, India, Africa, uh, South America? Because we don't pray for it. We're so busy. What if not? What if it doesn't? What if this? What if I fail? What if I feel stupid? What if I look like a fool? What if you look like a fool? Who cares? What if God heals? What if a life's forever changed because of a simple act of obedience? What be as a bull? I believe it is that simple. But we have to be, as a people, obedient. Uh, and, you know, the other thing I would say is how to pray for the sick is I honor people. That's my priority. Uh, even there, 
there's times the Lord will tell me to do things that make me uncomfortable. There was a couple people, one guy, just this last time, it's fresh in my mind, so I think of it. He came, he had a, I had a word of knowledge about someone that had a bad accident. It was a small church where they'd smacked their knee, some type of something, like a blunt force. And a small church, this guy stands up, I just got in a bad accident, and he limps up to me, and the Lord said, don't pray for him, tell him to walk. I was like, okay. Like, in front of the whole church, he said, just walk. And the door was right there, so like, walk out the door. <laughs> so he just, like, walks out the door, right, and he comes back, and he's like, well, it's better, but I'm still in pain. This is what I wanted to do. I went to, okay, I'm, I'm going to pray for you now. And the Lord said, did you believe my word, or are you going to pray? And I was like, walk again. <laughs> and he literally starts walking, and the limp just leaves. And one of the pastors afterwards, I said, hey, what was, your, what was the highlight of the last 10 days? He said, that prayer, that was amazing, you know, seeing that guy's limp go away right in front of our eyes, right? So it's like we just listen and obey. He tells us to do weird things, but I'm always honoring people. Sometimes the Lord will say, there's a few times there, he's told me, put spit and put in their eyes. But I tell them, I say, hey, I want you to know this is what I feel like, and I ask people, right? I just, I try to do the best that I can, even in the weird ones like that. It makes me really weird. I don't want to spit in my hand, put it in someone's eyes, <laughs> Okay, it literally makes the Gospels a whole lot more real life when you're like blind guy and all he hears is like, <laughs> Jesus is like down here making mud. You know, he's like, what is this guy doing, right? Like Jesus is a little out there, okay, so we can follow him, but you can, it's honor. Honor people, love people, right? And then this is, I tell people, uh, even over there, when the pastors a lot of times ask, how do we pray for healing? I said, pray quick prayers. We often act like it's our prayers that are healing someone. <laughs> it's not our prayers that are healing someone. It's our obedience. So just pray, Jesus, I just release your healing. God, thank you for this person. Let your love come. Let your kingdom come. In Jesus' name. And that's about it. Hallelujah. So I'm going to just close and... Uh, I just want you all to stand. I'm just going to pray a blessing. And pray that God would make us an embodiment of these things. And also, we'll pray for you. So if you, uh, if you need healing in your body, we'd preach on it and uh, not pray on it. So if you, uh, if you need healing in your body, we'd love to pray for you. We'd love to serve you in that way. Okay. Yeah, so Lord Jesus, I thank you that you're the healer. I thank you that you've called your people to heal, God, that somehow in the mystery of who you are, God, you can use us to do what only you can do. God, we're humbled um, by the privilege that this is. And God, we don't want to, we don't want to forsake this birthright that you've given us when we were born again into your kingdom. God, we want everything that you've put in us to flow through us. God, we confess we don't understand. We confess that we are we're childlike in so many ways, but we also confess that we believe you and we believe you're good. And so I ask God that you will manifest your healing love in this house, God, that this will be a house of healing, God, and that you'll use our hands, you'll use these hands, these simple, ordinary, flesh and bone, human hands, God, that you'll use these hands for your glory. God, and that as we feel prompted by you to step out and to simply pray and love people well, that you will respond from heaven and that you'll bring healing, God. We believe you. I ask for impartation tonight of your healing virtue.
in the mighty name of Jesus.